we started doing Wednesdays pretty good while back, and we didn't have anything for adults. I don't know how long it's been since there was a Wednesday night service at this church. It's been a while. The main purpose was to, uh, by the way, this is uh, Wednesday night, and it is uh, June 14th, 2023, and this is our Wednesday night Bible teaching. When I started preaching up here as the new pastor of this new church, some of the people here felt like I couldn't quite finish up or I want, there was a lot more that I wanted to do during a Sunday service, but I felt pressured by some people to shorten it, shorten it. So the Wednesday night was a way for me to be able to open up on that a little bit more, go back and, and cover some things in more detail. That's kind of the reason to start it. And then, of course, Lois asked about Deuteronomy. And we've been doing Deuteronomy for a very long time now, so you can blame her. But, but that book of the Old Testament was something that I had thought about for a really long time, and I would refer back to it. So when she said something about it, I thought, maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a sign. So we started to talk about it and go through it word by word, and we're all the way up to, I believe it's Deuteronomy 22. Now, something to always remember about Deuteronomy is when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert, every time he was tempted, he responded from what book of the Bible? Do y'all know? When Jesus was tempted in the desert, the devil tempted him, and every time Jesus said, for it is written, for it is written, for it is written, every time he was referencing something that we know of as Deuteronomy. Tonight, we have, we have a lot of people missing. Uh, there's people who have traveled out of state. I'm pretty sure they went to see the ark. All right, we have, we have people who have things that came up. They're not going to be here. And we also have um, people who have gone to another church because my cousin, Mike Sarver, Jr., he is a missionary. Him and his family, they're missionaries in Ghana, Africa. Every year, for a couple months, they come back to the States. They hang out in this area, because he grew up here, went to Charlottesville High School, and they come here for about a month. He preaches at different Baptist churches, and he's preaching at Auburn Baptist Church up in Reiner tonight. So we have uh, Dan and Joy, who are good friends with Mike's mom and dad, so they're going up there, and Dan, of course, he grew up in that area. So uh, he's going up to see some people, and it's a big church, and they're excited about going up there. Now, this past Sunday, my cousin Mike preached at Seneca Baptist. He preached the morning service, which I couldn't go to because I was busy doing something else. Right? I was here preaching. All right, Sunday night, we don't have a Sunday night service, so I went over there and listened to him preach the Sunday night service. What he preached on 
it, it was something that I needed to hear, and I'm very glad that I went. Very glad. So tonight, I'm going to be, I'm going to be preaching a sermon on basically the same thing he preached on Sunday, Sunday night over at Seneca, but I'm going to be coming at it at a little bit different angle. Now, this, this story in the Bible, it's in, it's in Matthew. So we are going to be in the book of Matthew. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 15. Now, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament is a, is a transitional book. You will see a lot of Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, you'll see a lot of Old Testament, but then you'll see a lot of stuff that you would expect to see in the New Testament. Everybody at uh, Matthew 15? And you can write down, if, you, if you're taking notes, what A.P. Gibbs used to call the golden verse or the golden text. Uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers from years gone by is A.P. Gibbs. And he would put a sermon together and then he would have a golden text, a golden scripture. And that golden scripture that would match up with tonight's sermon is in Romans 10, verse 12. You don't have to turn there, just write it down if you would like, but I'm just going to read it to you. Romans 10, verse 12 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. All that call upon Him. Now, Matthew 15. Remember that golden text. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. It's all about the people who call upon the Lord, and the Lord is rich to give them what they need. Now, to set up, Matthew, the story that we're on, and it's the story of the Syrophoenician woman. And it will be familiar to most of you. You, uh, you, you, you will have heard this years gone by, but we're going to get into it a little deeper. Now, uh, notice what it is around and what it is sandwiched in between. It's in between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Now, the feeding of the 5,000, that happens in just the very first, the chapter right before it, in 14. That's significant. So we're not going to forget about the feeding of the 5,000. And then, when you get into 15, Jesus is basically fussing at the Pharisees. Now, notice the scribes and the Pharisees. All right, I'm going to read through this kind of quick. All right, listen carefully. Then came Jesus, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the, notice, the tradition of the elders? That's man's way of doing stuff. Notice that. And it's a tradition. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered, notice the but he answered. You're gonna, when we get to our main part of the sermon, that you're going to notice that three times in that one little story of the Syrophoenician woman. 
But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God? Hey, Shar, how are you? We were waiting. We were hoping you was going to be here. Very good. All right. So we're, we're, at, we're, we're not in Deuteronomy tonight. We've just talked a little bit about it, but we're in Matthew 15, if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 15. Now, notice what Jesus says in response. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes, these guys, they were picking on Jesus' disciples because of traditions of man. And Jesus says, well, what about you guys? You're transgressing the commandment of God. You see the difference there? Man comes up with his own ways. Man interprets Scripture in their own way. But what about what God says? This Bible that we, that we hold near and dear, it is the Word of God. And we trust it for what it says. But man wants to start adding things, wants to start adding traditions and their, their take on things. Okay? For God, this is verse 4, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. So now he's going to go down through here, and he's going to talk about how they are, because of the way they treat their parents, that they, they are hypocrites. They're not following the true law of God, the commandment of God, because they're not really honoring their father or their mother. And then over in uh, verse 7, I'm, skipping, I'm just going down because we're just going to try, I'm trying to get through this part real quick because I'm setting up what happens after. Notice, scribes and Pharisees, Jewish people, these are the people that Jesus came to. He came unto His own. He came for the lost sheep of Israel. And he's, he's, they're fussing at Him and picking on His disciples. And He's calling them out where they're wrong. And then it says, Seven, ye hypocrites, well did... It says Isaiah, but that's Isaiah, the prophet. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying... This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They say all the right religious things, but on the inside, their heart doesn't mean any of it. That's a hypocrite. Someone who acts all churchy and religious and I love Jesus, but yet they don't go out and share it with anybody? Their heart's not right. So it's all just with the mouth and the lips. It's, it's just what they say. But they don't have any actions to back up what they're saying. So they were saying that they don't wash their hands before they eat, and that's unclean, and you're going to defile. Well, Jesus is saying, well, it doesn't matter what goes in, because it goes through your body, and then you go to the bathroom, and it's gone. That's what he actually says here if you read all the way through that. But he says, what really defileth you is what actually comes from the heart and comes up out of your mouth and you speak out. That's what really defiles a person. Skipping on down to 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart 
and they defile the man. So I didn't make that up. It's right here in Scripture. 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. Now, here's a transition. Like, like I was talking about Deuteronomy being a transitional book in the Old Testament. Now we have this transition thing going on right here. Notice what happens. After Jesus has put these scribes and Pharisees in their place, now watch what he is doing. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Do you know anything about those places? Notice that he is leaving the Jewish people and he's walking and going toward a place where there's a bunch of Gentiles. I wrote in my notes. Notice, going away from the Jews and toward the Gentiles. And then I wrote down, compare with Matthew 13, 1. So I'm going to back up to 13, 1. I was at a church a long time ago. My wife and I had gone to see her best friend at her church, and her, and her best friend's dad was preaching a message that night. It was a Sunday night. He preached on this right here. He showed me something that I had never seen in Scripture before. And it, it, it was so simple. Matthew 13, this is where the transition starts to happen, and you see it. Matthew, that is a gospel written to the Jews... And the Jews are going to reject the king who they thought was supposed to come and set up this earthly kingdom. And he, the king was there. And look at, look at the very first verse. It seems like a very insignificant verse that it really you could take it out of the Bible and it wouldn't really seem to matter much. It's just a very simple thing. It says... The same day went Jesus out of the house, house of Israel. Notice that all the time. House of Israel. You'll see that all the time. So house is significant in that it's talking about the nation of Israel. So he's going out of the house and sat by the seaside. What does the sea represent? the highways to get to all the other Gentile nations of the world. So now, over here in 15, right, this story of the uh, Syrophoenician woman, Jesus is leaving, he's going out of the house of Israel, and he's going up into the Gentile area, and Tyre and Sidon, right, what, do you, what do you notice about any big city that's right on the coast? New York City, Los Angeles, horrible, right? Anytime you have a really big city that's right on the coast, New Orleans, uh, South Beach, Miami, people coming from all different places. And what, is, what happens here? Anytime you see a Gentile city next to the coast, ships are coming in from all... So you've got these pagan religions that are influencing these other places. Demonic activity. The devils are at work. And if you don't have Jesus, like today, 
If you don't have the Holy Spirit being hid in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, if you don't have that, and that your, your soul is empty of that, then devils are going to come around and they're going to want to live in that void. That's what's going to happen as a person. Now, if you have a city or a nation who pushes God out, doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, and push Him out, then the devils will come and fill up that void that is caused by your willful pushing away of Jesus. And in these Gentile cities, that was very prevalent that you would have very vile things happening in these cities. Just disgusting things. So that's where he goes to. And behold, a woman of Canaan... What? There, there should not be anybody who can say they're from Canaan. This woman is a descendant of the people that Joshua was told to wipe them out completely. But of course... No one ever follows through completely what God tells them to do. So there was Canaanites that, were, that, that slipped through, that have lived on to this day of Jesus' time. Now this woman from Canaan, they were not supposed to associate with the Jewish people at all. None. Zero. And Jesus goes to them. Notice, Jesus is the one that went there. See, we never will seek after Jesus on our own. He seeks us first. We'll never love Jesus until He first loves us. And Jesus went there. And He evidently has, been, has, has made a very good impression on those surrounding areas because this woman came out of the same coast and cried unto Him, saying... Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, when you are in a pagan society, and there's no honoring of God at all, you're going to have a bunch of devilish things going on. Uh, here in America, uh, people mess around with those things. They, they tap into uh, the demonic realm. There's a fascination with it. And people mess with it, and they get burned when they do. So this little girl, this daughter, I don't know if she's a little girl. It just says that this woman uh, has, is calling out to Jesus, and she, she... Why would she say son of David? Well... It is recorded in 1 Kings 5.1 that Hiram was a king of Tyre during the reigns of David and Solomon. And it says in 1 Kings 5.1, part of that verse says that that king Hiram was ever a lover of David. He fell in love with David, and even though he was the king of Tyre. So he, he just really honored and thought thought the world of David. So this woman coming from that area probably knows all about Jesus' ancestors. But 
by saying son of, calling him son of David, that is showing that she has no business with him. Because she's a Canaanite woman. So she just disqualified herself from being able to associate with the Jew. And what does Jesus do? Here's, here's the first but he answered in this little story. But he answered her not a word. He just ignores her. She said, son of David, Jesus is going right along with it. Okay, then you should know you have no dealings with the Jews. And he completely ignored her. Well, we got people who can come to church and they feel like they get ignored and their feelings get hurt and they leave. Why did they come to the church? Did they come for themselves or did they come to worship God? Was it selfish reasons that you come? You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You, this woman had a need. She, the title of this message is Desperation and Determination. Desperation and Determination. She did have a need, but look at the faith she's showing by going to a person that should not have anything to do with her, and she knows that Jesus is her only hope. She's not like the scribes and the Pharisees who think that they got things figured out, and they can tell Jesus where he's doing things wrong. That's prideful. Very prideful for you to be able to say, Jesus, I think you got this wrong. Or, you know what, those people at that church, they're doing this and that. They're just not doing things right. They don't, they don't dress nice enough, or they don't, they don't uh, do communion as many times as they should. And, they don't, and you're talking about, this is, but that's traditions of men. And there'll be people get real religious out in the pews and they'll say, Well, y'all don't do this right, you don't do that right. But what does the word of God actually say? He answered her not a word. She's already made known that her daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She had a need, but she understood who Jesus really was. She's not going to tell him how to do it. She's, and now she has a chance to criticize him for ignoring her. And what does she do? She starts to plead with the disciples. How do I know that? Because the rest of 23 says, And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. She was, not a, she was not a desirable. She was not somebody that they wanted in their little group. She's calling out to Jesus. Jesus seems to be ignoring her. He, he's not ignoring her at all. He's hearing everything she's saying. He's testing her, I think. And he's also testing his disciples. And she is going after them. Like, hey, you're his followers. Can you do something here? And she keeps uh, pestering them, and they go to Jesus and say, send her away. Now, over in the feeding of the 5,000, they didn't have enough food to feed everybody. What did the disciples say? Send them away. So every time the disciples run into a problem, their answer is, send them away. And Jesus is like, no. 
bring them closer. I want them. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, they had just they had a very small amount of bread and some fishes, and they fed everybody and had leftovers. Remember that. When Jesus had everybody sit down with those few loaves and few fishes, he broke the bread, he blessed it, and he gave to his disciples, and his disciples went out and fed all the people. And it was enough for everybody, plus some left over. Remember that. So, the woman has a desire and a, and a plea, but so does the disciples. Which one, who's going to get their prayer answered? Let's keep reading. 24. Now, notice she hasn't said anything to Jesus directly. She's talking to the disciples, and the disciples are the ones who say something to Jesus. And then Jesus, but he answered and said, I am not sent but, or except, unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Notice the house of Israel. He just makes this statement. She can hear it. I don't think he turned to her. I think he was looking at his disciples, and he just says, I'm not here. I, so he, he, he's ignored her, and he's not going to grant their request of sending her away. He's like, I'm not here for those people. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. Okay? That's what he says out loud. She hears it. Now, this is, she's been ignored, and now she hears that she's not even being considered. So what should she do? Should she get offended now and get on out of there? Well, if she does, her daughter is still grievously vexed with the devil, and he's her only hope. So, instead of being uh, hurt and offended... Then came she and worshipped him. This is amazing. She came and she's worshipping Jesus. No person on this earth should be worshipped. Do you understand how serious it is to worship a person? Are y'all getting that? To worship? The only way that he should be worshipped is if he is God in the flesh. She knew he was, and she worshipped him. And what did she say? She worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. One of the shortest prayers in the Bible, but oh, is it powerful. Lord, help me. Now, she has dropped Son of David title, because that's not getting her anywhere. It's actually separating her from him. He's ignored her. He's told her that she's not part of the lost sheep of Israel. And now, she, in return, she worships him, which he deserves. And she says this short little prayer, Lord, help me. Why did he go there? Why did he go there? Remember, Jesus went there. Why did he go there? I wrote down, to find faith that he was not finding in Israel. He had to go to a dirty, rotten, Gentile, two cities area 
And he's looking for faith that he wasn't finding out of his very own people. Now for the ultimate test. But he answered and said, the third time he, it, we see, but he answered. First it was, but he answered not a word. And then, but he, uh, but he answered and said, and now here's another, but he answered and said, it is not meat or suited, or it's just not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now that was what the ultimate slur, the ultimate name calling of the Gentile people and how vile they were. They did a lot of bad stuff. And for you to compare them with a dog, that was good. Yeah, that's a good comparison. But anybody being called a dog would know that you were being talked very bad of. And he says that. Now, third time's a charm. She's definitely going to be offended now, right? She's definitely going to just, all right, I'm done, I'm done. You're going to call me a name like that? I'm out of here. So let's see what she does. And she said, truth. What? Does your Bible say that? She said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Wow. She is stating that Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh. He can heal her daughter, and that would just be a small, little, tiny crumb. That act of healing her daughter is nothing for him. That he can do everything. Nothing's impossible with him. And that he is and is going to do something way bigger than just delivering her. And that all she needs, all she wants, is just a little crumb of His goodness. Because a little tiny crumb of Jesus' goodness is so much better than a whole bunch of worldly things. She said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered. Notice it's different. It's not, but He answered. It says, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, this woman reminds me Think of all the things that were said to her. Think about that. And it, and it makes me think of Jacob. Think about Jacob wrestling all night long with an angel. He wouldn't let go. This woman is kind of like a pagan version of a, uh, of a Jacob who got a hold when he found out that he was wrestling with an angel, and the angel said, let me go, i got to get out of here, it's almost daylight. And Jacob, in, uh, in Genesis 32, 26 says, he said, 
I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So this Syrophoenician woman, she knew Jesus was her only hope. And she was not letting go until she got a blessing. Now remember, remember what we talked about the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. Fed everybody with some despair. Listen to this very closely. We're almost done. Listen to this very closely. The Jews had been offered everything. Just thinking about the feeding of the 5,000. Thinking about Jesus came for the lost sheep of Israel. The Jews had been offered everything and believed nothing. This woman, this Gentile woman had been offered nothing and believed everything. Isn't that powerful? She returned home to find that the peace of God which passeth all understanding now reigned in its place. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for these examples in Scripture that help us today. Father, your word never gets old. Father, your word is living, breathing. It means the same today as it did so many years ago. And Father, if you tarry and you don't come back for another 2,000 years, it'll be just as relevant 2,000 years from now as it is right now today. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus here. Father, you sent him here for his very own people. But Father, we watched him walk away from them and toward us. Father, we, like this woman, deserved nothing from the Lord. Father, we believe that he is our only hope. Father, I pray each and every person who is hearing this will forget about anything good they've ever done that would humble themselves like this lady did, that knows that she doesn't deserve anything, but yet not going to let go until we get a blessing from Jesus. Father, help us, all of us, to see this little prayer and that we would often say, Lord, help me. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.